It's the Dogcast, episode number 169. The dogs take on the Commodores from Nashville. Alright dog fans, it's the Dogcast, episode number 169. This is the Vanderbilt pregame show. Dogs take on Vanderbilt at 1230 this Saturday in Athens. Old dog, we got a lot of stuff to talk about, man. What's going on? Well, first off, I think we need to make it clear that is 1230 p.m., not (laughs) a.m. Okay, thanks for that, old dog. Yes, it's it's a daytime game. Just wanted to clear it up. That's when most of you guys are just waking up. Yeah, it is an early game. There's, I'll tell you this: North Campus not going to be rocking like normal this week. No, I mean this is an absolute insult to play on damn Raycom. Listen, we brought it on ourselves, dude. And you know the Vandy loss last week to Mississippi State didn't help. No, it did not. So, you know, I'll tell you this too. I I know you want to get going here. Do you think, you know, after the Alabama loss, you know, we had a week off, and then we had the Tennessee game, pretty lackluster performance by the team, pretty lackluster performance by the fans also. You know, we really had the damn wind taken out of our cells in that Alabama game. Do you think there's any chance that the team and the fans show up big and we finally, we kind of get back on track this week against Vanderbilt? No. (laughs) <laughs> Thanks for the, see that was my that was your opening there to be positive. Yeah. No, that, we're not. We're I mean straight up, we're not going to see any enthusiasm from the fans, and I really don't think the team probably until the LSU game, and we need to hope that's a night game in LSU. Oh, it's going to be. Did you see the ESPN website? I know it's not. I official. did. I did not. The ESPN website, which is not official by any means, is showing it to be in a 7.45 kickoff. Even though CBS has the rights to pick, and they're not going to pick till Sunday. That's true. I'm telling you, it's not official. I'm not saying that nobody's picked or anything like that. I'm just telling you, the ESPN website says that the LSU-Georgia game is a 7.45 kickoff. Yeah, and when Lee Corso says something, that's true, too, right? Easy, easy. Come on. I mean... Have a oh. be- listen. Settle down, old Lord dog. Have, have a beer. Lord have mercy. Hey, listen. I was reading this thing today, old dog, that says that Prince Miller played lights out, but the Red Coat Band didn't play so good last week. You're on the dog <laughs> vent again, aren't you? <laughs> no. All right. Look, it's a big game this week, old dog. Coach Bobby Johnson, who is on the watch list for Clemson, man. Now that Tommy Bowden has been put out to pasture. Yeah. And, uh, you know, those Vanderbilt guys, they're defending their coach. They don't want anybody to mess with Bobby Johnson. They say, keep your hands off our Johnson. As as well you should, because the only hands that should be on your Johnson are your own. That's right. Unless. And, and I'm just going to leave it there. Okay. So, Bobby Johnson, in a coaching gen- in a stroke of genius, I think, has pulled his running quarterback, Chris Nixon, 
and replaced him with his throwing quarterback, Mackenzie Adams. Right. And uh, who I, I, is who is the same quarterback that beat us in Athens two years ago and damn near beat us in Vanderbilt last year? That's true. So you know, let's not let's not get a woody over the fact that their second string quarterback is starting, because by all rights, this guy should probably have two victories over us and has one. Oh, I'm not getting a woody about it. I'm freaking scared to death about it. I mean, Absolutely. I wish Chris Nixon would play. I yeah. wish he would keep playing the running quarterback because if he wants to run, that's I'm I'm all good with that. I'll take all the running quarterback I can get. Exactly. But of course, why would you run against Georgia's defense when you and when you can throw, you know? When you can pass and just, you know, in my total negativity on things when things go bad, I want it. There's an article in the AJC today, or maybe it was yesterday. No, it was today. It's the 15th. And I just want to go through this just to show why Vandy has gotten off to such a good start for Vanderbilt and really why this season has kind of lacks the luster that we all had anticipated it would. And this guy has five reasons behind Vandy's impressive start. And the fifth one isn't good, but the first four, we are the basically the exact opposite. Number one, Vandy is the least penalized team in the SEC. Wow. Number two, Vandy is number one in the SEC in scoring touchdowns in the red zone. Wow. A, a marvel idea. <laughs> we were two of seven last week. They're near the top and turnover margins, and number four, they're the lead the SEC in quarterback sacks. Wow. So let me get this straight. And then. they have the best punt returner, which really, who cares about that? But, I mean, you know, we had such great expectations for this year. We were just going to steamroll everybody. Vandy, a constant cellar dweller, and they are leading the SEC in Four categories that we are last in. You know, and I'll tell you this, their red zone scoring is highest in the SEC, while at the same time their total offensive production is the lowest. And if you look at last week's game against Tennessee for the Dogs, you know, we had mag we had fantastic production in terms of yardage and first downs and all that kind of stuff, but we couldn't score. Right. And, you know, and they get into this thing like red zone scoring, and they count field goals like touchdowns. Uh-uh. One's seven points, one's three. If you get into the red zone and can't score a touchdown, then the other team has beat you. You know what? It's kind of like the way me and you play golf, you know? I could be really long off the tee, 300-yard drive, but I can't putt. And see, Old Dog here is a player up close, 100 yards in, you know? And that's where your scoring is. Nobody cares what you do from the tee box for 300 yards. The only thing that matters is how you score. That's right. There's an old golfing adage. You drive for show, you putt for dough. That's exactly right. And right now, we're driving for show, and the Commodores are putting for dough. Yeah. I believe I, I tell you that that's a really good uh, that's a fantastic little uh, analogy there between the two teams because you know it it really does show you the differences and the problems we've got. I was talking to a friend this week, old dog, you know, and he said that 
he wasn't even talking about Georgia. He was talking about his own team, and uh, he pulls for a SOCON team. And he was saying, you know, when you have really high expectations for the season, and then you get punched in the gut early, even if your season goals are still in place and you're still on track and you're still working hard and still got, you know, your opportunities to finish like you wanted to, that big punch in the gut just really takes the wind out of you. And it takes a long time to recover, if you ever recover. You recover that enthusiasm, you know what I mean? And right now, it's really hard to be enthusiastic as a Georgia fan, i got to tell you. Oh, it it, it is. There's no doubt about it. And, I mean, you know, being realistic, and, you know, we can look at this through rose-colored glasses, but the beatdown that we took from Auburn, I mean, from Alabama, basically ended any kind of national championship hopes we had. Well, not technically, but it sure did expose a lot of weaknesses in our in our right. game. Right, you know, right and now. that's like saying, you know, that the Braves aren't mathematically out <laughs> of the World Series. <laughs> You're right. I'll tell you this, old dog. This is how you know that the heat has gone out of the dog the dog nation intelligentsia, which we like to call the dog the dog nation the dogcast listeners. Before the Alabama game if we were 10 minutes late with a dog cast, I'd get an email from G-Daddy up in Chicago. Yeah, where or, is it? Yeah, yeah, where's the show, man? we got to have a show. we got to have a show. This week, dog fans, as many of you know, I posted the show, the post-game show, the Tennessee post-game show, Sunday night like we always do. Because of a computer glitch, <laughs> I didn't even know the show didn't go up because I just do what I do and it goes up and it's automatic, right? I didn't even post – the show didn't even get posted on Tuesday morning, and we didn't get one email asking where the show was. Can't wait for another show. Man, these shows are great. Boy, I tell you what, we want to hear what you got to say about the Tennessee game. Nobody wants to hear. Nobody wants to know about the Tennessee game. Nobody cares about the Tennessee game because no. it was freaking pathetic. And this dominating – you. you God, when you read in the press about how we dominated Tennessee and how the score wasn't indicative of how bad the beatdown was, you know what? That crap don't mean nothing. It just doesn't no. mean anything. At the end. It just doesn't mean crap. And the score was absolutely, definitely indicative of the fact that we can't score touchdowns in the red zone. <laughs> exactly. So let's move on to this Vanderbilt game. I don't want to get tied down. Okay. Late, so we've got not. a top 25 homecoming game, old dog. Yeah. When was the last time we had two – when was the last time we had a homecoming game against a top 25 team? It's been a while, I think. It has been a while, man. I tell you what, it's been a while, but we got one coming up this yeah. week. Vanderbilt's coming into town. We've got Clint Bowling at left tackle, our fourth – I mean, our fourth – new left tackle of the yep. season. And, you know, congratulations to Clint on winning offensive SEC Offensive Lineman of the Week. And, uh, you know, Stacy Searles, is, he's like a one-armed paper hanger right now, man, man trying to is. keep the offensive line together. He is doing everything he can. And I tell you what, there's some weird stuff going on down there. But let's just run through who's going to be starting. And stuff like you said, we got bowling there at left tackle. Cordy Glenn, true freshman, is going at left guard. Ben Jones, who's probably been the one guy that's been at the same position the most, he's at center. And then Chris Davis is at right guard, and Justin Anderson is at right tackle. And I know what everybody's thinking, man. 
where is Keontae Tripp? <laughs> you know, I was thinking, what, who the hell is you know, Justin Anderson? But you go know, is he is he you know is he a tight end? You know what's going on? He's not a tight end anymore because Bruce Figgins stepped up big, said, "Look, I'm going to play the rest of the season with the shoulder like it is, and then I'll get the surgery done on it." Apparently, he decided he could go. You know, after the Tennessee game, and hats off to him. But you know, there is a mystery, and Jack Bauer has not gotten back to me yet. What has happened to Keontae Tripp? I mean, they are mum on the subject. No one's saying anything. But you don't you don't go from being the quote second best lineman we've got to third string tight end, and now because of injuries, you're a backup at the position you started at almost all of last year. I tell you, there's something going on, and dog fans, we are going to try to find out what the deal is. I'm working hard to try and find out what the story is. I'm using all of my back-channel contacts right now to try to find out what the inside scoop is on this Keontae Tripp thing. Because him being the second-string right guard is kind of freaking me out. Because he's not hurt, and he's not playing. And we need him, and he's still not playing. And And if Vince Vance hadn't gone down, he might have been the – he still might be third-string tight end. I know. So – and I'll tell you this, too. If anybody out there thinks our offensive line's not getting it done, if you're feeling bad about the offensive line and the job that Stacey Searles is doing, I want you to think back. Old Dog, how do you think, what kind of position do you think we'd be in right now if we had Neil Calloway running this offensive line with these players, these freshmen? How do you think we'd be – how do you think Matthew Stafford would feel with Neil Calloway is, running the, the offensive is, line? if we still had Neil Calloway, we wouldn't have this caliber of offensive linemen, we would have a lot of undersized offensive linemen with shoulder problems. I know. Because that's what Neil Calloway recruited. I tell you what, man. So we are damn glad to have Stacy Searle. Stacy, we know you're working hard, buddy, and just keep doing the best you can, and, man. That's right, because you know you can only you can only do the best you can with the material you've got, and that's no knock on these guys that are playing the offensive line now. They are just real, real young. I mean. We had four guys that were freshmen or redshirt freshmen on the line against Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And speaking of the line, we uh, overlooked something. We asked a question basically to ourselves. You know, what was up with Brandon Sutherland coming in at fullback and then kind of disappearing out of the fullback position? Well, lo and behold, son of a gun was playing tight end. We didn't even know it. <laughs> I tell you, he did. He line, how many plays he ran? Like he took 10, like eight or nine snaps at tight end. Yeah, I tell you what, man, that Brandon Sullivan—he's everywhere doing everything, man. I tell you what, maybe he's borrowed the Superman cape from your boy Tebow. <laughs> well, old dog. So we we got Vanderbilt this week. We've we're at the beginning of a key stretch for the Bulldogs right now. In my opinion, the key stretch for the for the season. Um, this next three weeks coming up between with Vanderbilt, LSU, and Florida yeah. is going to make or break our season. And we've got Vanderbilt coming into the game this week. Now, they've got a traditionally, or this season, they've had a really weak offense. I mean, their offense is ranked in the in the one way up there, yeah. you know, on total production. 
They rank something like 117th in total offense. And they have one of the worst passing offense in the country. They're only averaging 90 yards of passing offense. But again, that was with well, a different quarterback. They're, they're, they're going to get well against us. Yeah, exactly. They're going to be able to amp those numbers up a lot. So with McKenzie Adams coming in this week, you know, the key to this three-week stretch, no doubt, is going to be minimizing penalties, scoring in the red zone, and better defensive well, back play. Let, let, let's back that up just a little bit. And absolutely right, minimizing penalties, scoring touchdowns in, in the, the red, red zone. zone. And we need better defensive back play. Well, and we not yet, and, and we need a better pass rush because we're still not getting any pressure on the quarterback. And quite frankly, our defensive backs aren't going to get any better well, this year. Yeah. They're, they're, they're the best that they can be. So what has got to happen to improve our pass defense is we have got – I mean, there are two things that create good pass defense. One is absolute stellar defensive backs. We ain't got them. Right. The second is putting pressure on the quarterback. And that is what we have got to do. Well, let's just say we need, instead of saying we need better defensive backs, let's say we need better pass defense. Let's lump all no that together. No doubt about it. Because right now we're ranked 82nd in the country in pass defense. We give up nearly 225 yards a game in passing yards. So when the worst pass defense in the SEC goes up against the worst passing offense in the SEC, What's going to happen? <laughs> it's gonna, we have to get pressure on this quarterback. And I yeah. believe against Vanderbilt's offensive line, we're going to be able to get it done. I hope, at least. Let's hope for that. You know? yeah. What else do you think we need to do? What else are your keys to the victory in this Vanderbilt game? Well, I mean, we already talked about the big three. Yeah. Got to minimize penalties off the rip. I mean, that is just absolutely killing us game after game after game. We were better um, last week, you know. Um, well, we we the first half was really good, right? Uh, Only I, two I can't penalties. Say, right, I can't say that. I mean, we ended up with eleven, which means we had nine in the second half. True, but now about now, three now a of those, couple of them, yeah, a couple of them were you On know purpose. us just winding down the clock, right, and stuff, and. Uh, then they tried to say, you know, and two of them were, you know, the officials making mistakes. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, they make mistakes all the time. Yeah. Penn Wagers makes a lot of mistakes yeah. <laughs> against the Bulldogs. But, um, man, I tell you what, there's something. This but, I'm, I, this Keontae Tripp thing, man. Well, this guy yeah. has started games this year as a left tackle, and now he's the backup right guard. Yeah, right tackle. But I mean tackle, I'm sorry. Anyway, it's just that's something. But the other thing is we need to we need to go on a ball control, too. We need to run, run, run. And two things that would be great, no fades into the end zone and no pirouette passes. Yeah, no pirouette screens and no fade passes in the end zone. And I'll tell you now, you know, we did a lot of ball. I mean, you can't. I mean, we had the most commanding ball ball control offense I've ever seen. I think in a game against Tennessee's defense last week. Oh and, yeah. And I don't think Vanderbilt's defense is as good as Tennessee's defense. I don't think so. We should Probably be not. able. We should be able to run the ball effectively against Vanderbilt. If, so, if Coach Bobo decides to call running plays, that's true. Bobo's taking a lot of heat for that offensive play calling last week. As well he should. 
because it was it was a miserably called game. And so, I mean, you know, we we give him praise when he does well, and you know, we're certainly going. I, I don't know where he was. I mean, the guy's got a lot of kids at home. You know, maybe. Friday night was pretty rough. Some of the kids were sick. He was up all night or whatever. But there was absolutely no imagination in that thing. It was just, it was a poorly, poorly called game. And I can't imagine Coach Rick being the offensive-minded guy he is. Uh, I imagine he and and Bobo probably had a little uh, conference Sunday night or Monday about what was going on with that because it's one of the worst offensive called games that I have seen in a long time, and really not the kind of game that that Bobo's called. Well, I hope you're right. I mean, I just hope Bobo – I mean, I I have full confidence in Bobo. I really do, and I think he'll get it together. Um, I mean, you know, everybody can have a bad day, so, I mean, we we need him to not have – if he has a bad day and we still win the game, that's not so bad. But here's my question for you. In going over our – in reviewing our Belkin – Keys to the Victory, um, brought to you by Belkin Products. Uh, we've got Mackenzie Adams coming this week as a starter. Now, the Commodores are ranked, like I said, 117th in total offense. They have one of the very lowest offensive production outputs in the entire United States. How much difference can one player... Do you really think Mackenzie Adams can come in and just make turn these guys into a juggernaut of offensive production? Well, I tell you, and and I hate saying this, but if they can give him protection, yes. He definitely makes better decisions. He makes good decisions. He stands tall in the pocket. And, you know, he'll stand in the pocket and deliver the ball to the right guy, and he'll get it there. He plays a lot. I'll tell you who he reminds me of. He kind of reminds me of uh, Chris Smelly from South Carolina. Mm -hmm. He makes pretty good decisions and pretty good throws, but he's not very mobile. But if he's not flustered and you give him a minute, he can get it done. Right. So what does that mean, dog fans? <laughs> we pass need rush. Pass rush. Yeah, and, you know, again, that's the thing because if, as we have, you know, time after time this year we've proven, I don't think there's a better run defense in the country than the Georgia Bulldogs. I mean, we have shut down the run on everybody we have played against. Mm-hmm. But. Well, with the exception of Alabama. Yes. But any team throwing the ball, good, bad, or indifferent, just rips us wide open. Man, I totally... And and Vandy is, I mean, this is a kid, you know, I mean, he's one and one against Georgia as a starting quarterback. And if not for some late-minute heroics up in Nashville last season, he could well be 2-0. and Yeah, I mean... You know, I mean, it's like. So in other words, you're telling me you're taking Vanderbilt seriously, huh? <laughs> as well as well we should. I, I take you. any team that can pass very, very seriously. Well, there you go, man. Dog fans, that's what it's going to take. It's going to take pass. So your number one key to the victory this week, everything else to take care of itself if we can put pressure on the quarterback. Absolutely. That is the key. All right. I tell you what, dog fans, I'm going to run with that. Now, old dog, you got some other news. You got some breaking news out of Bogota, Colombia, I think, right? Homecoming got our, one of our probably our largest South American fan, former Redcoat band member, coming up, going to be 
kind of right in the arm of the G, playing whatever instrument he does, <laughs> yeah. all the way from Bogota, Colombia, a drug-infested third-world country, he is making it back to civilization. You know, that reminds me of something, old dog. You're talking about, you know, a guy, a listener, coming from a drug-infested third-world company, country. It kind of reminds me of, uh, you know, Jana from Burbank. Because whenever she comes from Burbank, California, that that's kind of like a drug-infested third-world country, it seems like sometimes. So this whole Travis coming from Bogota and Jana from Burbank in the George Tech game, it kind of, you know, it's kind of the same thing. Absolutely. <laughs> Gosh, that was a terrible joke, man. That was, was a very, horrible. very ill-conceived joke, and I'm sure of our, you know, I've got Larry Mullen out there of the uh, and the and uh, everybody in the SoCal Dog Club freaking out right now. I'm just kidding, guys. But um, yeah, we've got Travis coming all the way from Bogota, Colombia, to, to play in the Redcoat Alumni Band and to hang out with the dog cast after after the show. I'm pretty excited about that. He's going to win the award, I think, for the furthest. Most miles traveled this year. Yeah, as far as uh, listeners go. So we're looking forward to a big homecoming game at twelve thirty this weekend on Raycom Sports Network. Old dog, have you got anything else that we need to know about this Vanderbilt game? Well, just just a couple things, and you know, I really don't know how I feel about stuff like this. Uh, you know, Coach Rick is changing stuff around a little bit. The dog walk last week started 15 minutes earlier. They're not teams not stopping by the Buttsmeer building like they were before, and you know they're talking about we got to treat these things like away games because we play better on the road than we do at home and this stuff. And I just, you know, I I don't think that kind of stuff really has anything to do with the way the team plays. I really. Mean, I, I don't. I don't okay. think the fact that, you know, we do something 15 minutes earlier or we stop by the Budsmere or we don't or we worry about what color jersey we play, I think if we worry about crap like that, we're, we're not focused. We need to focus on winning a ball game, and it really doesn't matter what your schedule is. You need to show up ready to play, and if your mind is, you know, what color jersey am I going to wear – how cool is it going to be if I'm in a black jersey? Uh, you know, do I need to stop at the Buttsmere building or not? I mean, man, you know, I, I don't think Alabama worried a whole lot about that when they beat us. That's true. They 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 were only worried about winning the football game. Right. I you know they didn't stop about you know worried about you know do we stop here do we stop there do we get a hot dog do we eat hamburgers <laughs> you know it, it, they really didn't care you know because they came in with one thought in mind. That was winning the football game, and that's what we need to do. And I think we worry about too much minutia. Okay. Well, I'm. I'm uh, I mean, I. You know, I this agree is the kind you. of shit Lawrence Smith talks about. <laughs> okay. Look. Well, let's move on to something more important. Then I got a. I got a question for you from a listener. All right. Shoot. Did you read this from uh, from our listener Katie, who wants to know when was the last time Georgia won a night game? She says that we haven't won a night game since she's been a student, which was 2004. She's, she's, I think she's a senior now. So since 2004, she doesn't think the dogs have won a night game. When is the last time the dogs won a night game? Do you know? I don't. Now, you know, she also threw out, and I may well have had way too much no Sean Moreno Kool-Aid, <laughs> but did, did the Auburn game last year 
start at three thirty. You know, that's what I thought it was a night game. I thought the Auburn game last year was a night game too. It might have just seemed like a night game. I mean, I because thought we, we were drinking. It, I all thought day we long. kicked it off like seven seven thirty. I don't think it was a three thirty game. So we've got something going on, Katie. Yeah. Either Derek and I had way too much no Sean Kool Aid last year, or you did. I tell you what, let's hang on. I can actually get this answer in just a second. So let's let's just hang on. We're gonna because pause. I'm before you check out. I'm 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 going on the limb. I'm saying the last night game we won was last year against Auburn. Okay, because I'm actually checking this in real time because I actually know how to check this. So just stand by. All right. Well, and along with that, while while you're looking this up, as un going against what was reported earlier, Ellerby will not play this weekend at middle linebacker. <laughs> it Gamble, was not reported earlier. Yes, it was. I'm just telling you that I think you reported it earlier to me. <laughs> <laughs> I did, huh? <laughs> oh, did we play Vanderbilt directly after Florida? I mean, do we play? No, no, we played Troy last year on November third. That game started at one. The Auburn game was a three thirty kickoff. Oh, okay. And we won forty five to ten. Well, we did have too much no Sean Kool Aid then. Yes, we did. Okay. So I don't know the answer. Wow. Well, right there's the damn. In two thousand two, we beat Clemson at seven forty five, thirty eight to twenty. I mean, thirty one to twenty eight. Well, when was our last uh, SEC championship? Two thousand five. All right, that's the night game. I think that baby starts at 8 o'clock at night. Well, we beat Boise State in the first week of 2005. That game started at 5.30. Yeah, you can't call that a night game because you got daylight savings time and everything. <laughs> that's really like 4.30. We lost to Auburn. You remember that game? Oh, yes, I do. We lost about one point. That yeah. was a 7.45 kickoff. Yeah, and then it was another three hours to get out of that miserable parking deck. Yes, you didn't like that parking deck, did you? I'll never go in another one. I'm scared of parking decks. Well, here we beat Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech was an 8 o'clock kickoff. We beat there Georgia we Tech 14-7 to 7 in 2005. Yeah. All right. That's got to be the last one, yeah. right? Because we didn't, we didn't win a night game in 2006. I mean, come on, I'm just going to check this. November 26th, 8 o'clock, we beat GT 14-7. to 7. Let's check 2006, old dog. Let's do it. We beat Western Kentucky week one. We beat South Carolina 7.45. Come on, Katie. We beat South Carolina. It was a 7.45 kickoff in 2006. In Carolina, though. Yeah. Well, it's a night game. It is. She didn't say at home. You're right. Katie. Little Katie Kate. <laughs> we beat Ole Miss. Started at 9 p.m. Eastern. That was an 8 o'clock game their time. I don't even remember that. That we- must have been in Oxford. Yeah. We beat them, though, 14-9. That was September 30th. Gosh, Katie. Katie's embarrassing me with her lack of knowledge about Georgia night games. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> we played we played Tennessee. We lost 51-33. to 33. Yeah. Vanderbilt, 12-30 kickoff. We lost 24-22. We beat Mississippi State 27-24. We lost to Florida 21-14. Lost to Kentucky. Jesus, six and four. Beat Auburn thirty-seven to fifteen to save the season when they were ranked number six. And there you go. So did we not win a damn night game last year in two thousand seven? 
Apparently not. Well, we can't take Katie's word for it. Well, check it. We beat Oklahoma State in week one at 6.45 p.m. Does that count? That's marginal. I just throw it out. Okay. Throw it out there. Let's leave it up to the Dawcast fans. All right. It's 6.45 night. How about, well, we lost to South Carolina, so that didn't count. No. Hell, we beat Georgia. We beat Alabama. That turned the lights out on Alabama. That was a 7.45 kickoff. Oh, gosh, Katie, you're killing me. Vanderbilt was a 6 o'clock kickoff last year. Their time or our time? Their time. Okay, old dog, so in in researching this question for young Katie, the bull pup, I... You know, I don't know if she wants to know about just in Athens or not, but night games, I mean, you go, we beat, I mean, we've won a lot of night games in the past few years. I mean, we beat Georgia Tech 14-7. to That was in 2005. We beat South Carolina in 2006, 18 to zip. I don't know if a 645 kickoff counts. This, did you say, we're going to leave 645? We're going to let that be up to the Bulldog Nation, yeah, right? Yeah, they, they got to get back a 645 night. We beat Oklahoma State last year in 2006, a 6.45 kickoff. Um, we beat Alabama last year, turned the lights out in overtime down in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, now, that was definitely a night game. 7.45 kickoff. Yeah. yeah. So we've won plenty of night games, plenty of marginal night games, these 5.30 kickoffs, 5.45 kickoffs. You know, there, there's definitely been a lot of night games won since young Katie has been a student in yeah. at Georgia. So, Katie, there's the answer to your question. Old dog, this game this weekend, we got Vanderbilt, 1230. It's a big game. What else you got to say, man? Well, man, all I can say is we need every fan we can have, and let's beat those Johnsons. (laughs) Beat the Johnsons. (laughs) Down with the doors. Beat the Johnsons. Dog fans, let's call the dogs. Go dogs. Let's get it.